You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. In a stunning turn of events, a superhero is being sued for saving someone who apparently didn't want to be saved. The plaintiff, Oliver Sansweet, who was foiled in his attempted suicide by Mr. Incredible, has filed suit against the famed superhero in Superior Court. Mr. Sansweet didn't ask to be saved. Mr. Sansweet didn't want to be saved. And the injury received from Mr. Incredible's actions, so-called, causes him daily pain. Hey, I saved your life! You didn't save my life, you ruined my death! That's what you're Listen, my client has no further comment at this time. Five days later, another suit was filed by the victims of the L-Train accident. Incredible's court losses cost the government millions. And open the floodgates for dozens of superhero lawsuits the world over. It is time for their secret identity to become their only identity. Time for them to join us or go away. Under tremendous public pressure and the crushing financial burden of an ever-mounting series of lawsuits, the government quietly initiated the Superhero Relocation Program. The supers would be granted amnesty from responsibility for past actions in exchange for the promise to never again resume hero work. Where are they now? They are living among us, average citizens, average heroes, quietly and anonymously continuing to make the world a better place. No, students, we're not going to watch the movie. (laughs) That's what the first group said. Can we watch the rest instead of listening to you? (laughs) Um, We're in a a series called uh, Proven, and um, when trials test your faith. And I I really like that, the Mr. Incredibles movies, basically. That was from the first one. Raise your hand if you've seen the, the first one, let's say. Okay, if you haven't seen it, it's just an awesome movie, a lot of fun to, to just sit and have a good, a good uh, experience watching a movie, but really what happens is the, the premise of that little news clip that, that happens at the beginning of Mr. Incredible uh, 1 uh, really sets up the whole rest of the movie uh, because from here... The Mr. Incredible and all the, other, uh, all the other superheroes are really forced to go underground, right? Because they have been, uh, they've been persecuted, if you will, for doing good. And for you and for me, it really uh, is, sets up and, and tackles the question or addresses the question that we have, um, whether you're a Christian or not, we all kind of wonder this, why, uh, what do we do when, when we are persecuted for doing something good? What do we do when we're persecuted for something good? And if you remember uh, the Incredibles movie, you remember that Mr. Incredible and, and Frozone would go do what? Bowling? Remember the movie? They'd pretend they were going to go bowling, and then they would sit in a car, and they'd scan through the police scanner, and they go and they rescue this fiery building, ended up in the bank, and the guy shoots and freezes. You remember that, that whole scene, if you've seen it? Um, but the whole idea is what, ha- what happens when you're persecuted or get pushed back for doing good consistently, eventually you stop doing good. You stop doing good because you know you're trained, you're conditioned that if I do good again, I'm going to get persecuted, I'm going to get pushed back. And eventually you step away from doing good. Bible says very clearly, let us not grow weary in doing good, but celebrate because we see God coming uh, in the days to come. But what do you do when you're persecuted for doing good? And this is whether you're a Christian or not, just, it just sort of is. 
When, you, when you're at work and you have to call out somebody on the carpet because what they were doing is against the core value, against the goals for this quarter. It's a, they're against the integrity of the company and you kind of raise your hand and say, hey, that's just, that's not who we are as a company. And then you get passed over for a promotion or maybe demoted or, or worse, you lose your job. What happens when you're at school or in your community students and one of your friends is being bullied or maybe it's online, they're being bullied. And you go, you know, you have that Popeye moment. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And you stand up and you stick up for somebody who's being bullied and you say, that's just not right. Leave that person alone. And then what happens sometimes is the bullying gets targeted toward you. What do you do when you're persecuted for being good? Or maybe as a spouse, you really want your kids to know about God and to grow up in a church environment, whatever that looks like. And so you, you try to get your, your husband and your wife to come to church and you end up taking the kids by yourself. And you come home and your spouse either criticizes you or makes fun of you because you're trying to do something good. What do you do when you're persecuted for being good? So this is week four in this, this series called Proven, and let me just kind of give a recap uh, to the, of the last couple of weeks, just in a, a nutshell here. Um, if you were here last, last week, you remember you discovered that uh, with all of your faults, with all of my faults, with all of our faults together, you are still loved by the God of the universe. I think sometimes we get this idea that because I messed up in my life in the past, you know, it, it, that God just doesn't love me. He's just waiting to drop the hammer. In fact, maybe some of you here, you, you walked into the building and you're, I'm walking into a church and you're wondering why it hasn't fallen down on you yet because you're scared of God and you have this idea that He doesn't love you. So we learned last week that He does because of what Jesus did. He died for sin, Jesus did. And now you are free from wondering if, you're, if you are um, uh, where you're going, what's going to happen after this life. And because of that freedom, you have now this incredible gift of doing good in the world, adding value without expecting anything in return. And when you do good in the name of Jesus, in your home or your community, school, or even the workplace, God uses your action in the name of Jesus to do incredible things and to change the atmosphere of your work, your home, and even ultimately the world. And so as a Christian, are you doing good in the name of Jesus? I mean, everybody does good, right? You don't have to be a, a spiritual person. It just, it, 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 people do good things. But if you're a Christ follower and you're doing good in the name of Christ and people know that, are, are you doing that? When I was in college at Arizona State, um, I was part of Campus Crusade for Christ, um, basically because my wife was, because she was cute, and so I wanted to get to know her and got involved in the ministry. And I also love Jesus. Come on, I'm not that raw. <laughs> um, but we were involved in Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Crew. And um, one of, one of my small group leader uh, asked the question, and maybe you've heard this before, uh, and it was this. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? In your life, if you were put on trial today for being a Christian, is there enough evidence in your life to convict you? If your answer is yeah, 
People know I'm a Christian, but I, you know, I bear the name of Christian, you know, and, I, and it's not like I'm in my workplace and I'm preaching to everybody and all that. No, no. People just see you and they know that there's something different about you and they know that you, you are a Christian and as a result go, are a churchgoer and those kinds of things. Um, you can praise God. But if your answer is no, use this question as a mirror. Is there, is there something that I can be adding into my relationships, my conversations, that can bear witness to Jesus, that can bear witness to Jesus. I've, I've told you one of the things that, that several people around me and I've kind of picked up now is when somebody says, um, I do something for somebody, and they say, thank you. Instead of, you're welcome, I say, you're worth it. And that's, that's opened up a couple of interesting conversations. What do you mean you're worth it? I said, well, you, God loves you. You're valued. And then I just walk away. You know, it kind of freaks them out a little bit. Um, when was the last time a friend or a coworker or a spouse criticized you or recognized that you were a Christian? So today we're asking uh, that question, you know, what do we do when we're, we're criticized? Um, but more so, and, and this is, uh, you know, kind of leading up as Peter's letter unfolds, what's the encouragement when we are criticized? What's the encouragement when somebody does uh, uh, overlook us or criticize us for, because we are a Christian? And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Peter 4, um, starting at verse 12, um, either your Bible or on the app. Uh, we're actually, just to let you know, we're developing an actual church app for Trinity, uh, so you can just have that out on your phone and, and just look up Bible verses through that app. Um, we'll let you know when that comes out. That's uh, kind of a fun thing. Um, but so 1 Peter 4, um, in my Bible, the heading is suffering. You know how Bibles have headings for different places. Those aren't in the original text, by the way. Those are you know, later editions as the renditions go on. But it says, in mine, it says, suffering for being a Christian. And so Peter is writing this letter. Peter is the guy, one of the guys, part of uh, Jesus' group. He was there when they, the Lord's Supper happened for the very first time. Um, and he's kind of the, the, the bull in a china shop kind of guy. Um, but he's writing this letter to a group of people that are being persecuted for their faith. They're trying to tell people about the joy of, of knowing who Jesus is. And they're getting, they're getting um, thrown in jail. They're getting beaten up the whole bit. And so Peter write, is writing this letter. And he says this. Um, in verse 12. He says, Dear friends, don't be surprised that the fiery trials, fiery actually in the original is refining. You know, if you take gold and you, you heat it up enough, that's called refining and all the bad stuff goes away and you have this beautiful pure gold. Refining. So don't be surprised at the refining trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Why? It's because we're strangers in this world as if you're a Christian. You, know, you realize that you're strangers in this world. This isn't our home, right? And if you're not a Christian, you'd be like, that's, what are you talking about? This isn't our final place. This isn't our final destination. Our home is a living, breathing, awesome relationship with God in heaven when He comes at the last day. And, and that's just going to be glorious. And so until then, we are here living and breathing and experiencing the beautiful life, the beautiful world that God has has given us. And so we are considered as Christians strangers in this world because sin has, has tainted this world. This isn't our home. That's why, you, that's why we have trials. That's why things happen to us out of the blue that we just have never thought about, that we've never encouraged or, 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 or done ourselves. It's just part of being this world. But we are strangers in this world. There's, a, there's an old, old Lutheran hymn 
uh, from, it was written in 19, or, uh, 1836 uh, in the Lutheran Book of Worship, or in Lutheran Worship number 515. And the name of it is, um, I'm but a stranger here. And the words go like this. Uh, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. Raise your hand if you know this hymn. Oh, Lutherans, love you. <clears throat> I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. Earth is a desert drear. Heaven is my home. Danger and sorrow stand round me on every hand. Heaven is my fatherland. Heaven is my home. And it, it's a great hymn. The hymn goes on, uh, and it's a great hymn that reminds us again, for Christians, we're, this, we're not done when we die. We're looking for something even greater than being here. And for me, as I was growing up singing this hymn, um, I actually had a problem with this hymn a little bit because it kind of tells you that okay, if my home is in heaven, then I'm just going to kind of back away from the world. I'm just going to hide away. I'm not going to step out and be, um, be bold for Christ. I'm, not, I'm, not, I, I'm just going to kind of check off the days until I die and go to heaven. That's not the life Jesus had. If, if you became a Christian and Jesus said your only purpose as a Christian was to die and go to heaven, he'd snuff you out right now. There's a reason we're here. There's a reason we are here. There's a reason you're here in this room listening to this, to what Peter's telling us, what God's telling us. There's a reason you're listening on our podcast right now to this message. And I think it's because God has greater things for you every day of your life until you finally go home. Um, So again, it's a great reminder. We're not, we're we're strangers here. Heaven is our home. And Peter uh, continues in his letter, too, to encourage us in this. He says, instead, be very glad when, you know, when trials are happening, when you're being persecuted because you said, God bless you instead of gazuntite, you know, um, or you're even talking about God with other people. He said, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Jesus, and here's a promise, you're going to be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. you as you're, if you're a Christian, you bear the name Jesus. You are you, but you carry the name of Jesus. Whenever um, coaches in schools, public or private, or mission trips take youth out to do whatever they're doing to play a sports thing, I know many, many coaches, and it's just good coaching, to gather their team around their soccer team and look at them say, gentlemen, ladies, you bear the name of our school. So what you do, how you behave on this trip or in, this, in the game or whatever reflects on the school. It's a very powerful statement. My dad used to say that uh, occasionally as I was going out um, in high school um, with my buddies. As I was leaving, he, he would say, you know, kind of the Lion King thing, remember who you are. You know, he'd say, remember your name because I'm a stalker. That's, I'm, that's my last name. I'm not like a stalker. <laughs> um, yeah. But remember who you are. I'm part of a family. And we as Christians, we're part of a family. And the Spirit of God, what's, what's called the Shekinah glory, um, rests on us. There's something different about us. And Peter then continues in this verse. He drills down in terms of, of how the suffering will happen. If you suffer, however, don't, hopefully it's not for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's social media affairs. 
a little adaptation. But how many of us pry into other people's affairs on social media? How many of us know someone who's constantly getting in other people's business, not to help, but just to comment? Raise your hand if you know a couple of people. Raise your hand if they're here with you. No, kidding. So we suffer. Um, but here's the motivation and here's the, the, the hope that we have. It is no, sa- no shame to, to suffer for being a Christian. When kids criticize you, when adults criticize you, even if you get uh, 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 in your work or wherever it is, whatever world you're in, and you get pushed aside or ostracized to some extent for being a Christian, there's no shame in that. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. You bear the name, if you're a Christian, you bear the name of the Savior of the world. Now, students, I want to talk to you just just for a second. If you are in middle school now and this next fall you're going to be going to high school for the first time, or if you just graduated high school and you're going to college for for the next time, or for the first time, this first year in two of those junctions for you for school will set the tone for you for the next season of your life spiritually. How you choose to respond to the events that happen to you will set the tone, positively or negatively, for the next season of your life. And so the question is, a little bit of a challenge, are you choosing to respond to the world around you the way God would have us do it? Because if we, if we don't respond the way God does, the world is going to tell us how we're going to be responding. And oftentimes, that's not the greatest thing. Make the decision by faith and by the Holy Spirit gives you this power. Make the decision to just every morning go, God, I'm yours. I, I don't know what's going to happen today. I'm going to mess up. I know. We, everybody does. But I'm going to try my best to follow you. Um, every morning, I pray the prayer that Martin Luther says. I just love the, Luther's morning prayer. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, you've blessed, that you've kept me this night from all harm and danger. I pray that you would keep me this day from sin and every evil, that all of my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I surrender, I, I give myself to you, my body, my soul, and all things. Let the holy angels be with, you, with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. I love that prayer because it sets my mind to say, God, I am yours. I'm following you. And so in closing, it's kind of law-based, but it's good for us to, to look in the mirror a bit. If you're on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And when you do receive cri- criticism specifically for being a Christian, find hope, find peace, find joy knowing that you bear the name of God and he blesses you for that because you can love people well, because you have been loved well by the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray. Father God, you tell us that we should not grow weary when we are doing good, but at just the right time, it will will reap a harvest, Father, for you. And so, 
as Christ followers here, we really want to just kind of re-up on that, that every morning we just commit our life to, to doing good in your name and just looking for those opportunities, slowing down a bit so that you can pour into those empty spaces, opportunities to add value to other people and to give glory to you uh, in your name. And Father, for those of us who uh, aren't uh, necessarily spiritual or just trying to figure out um, uh, the, the spiritual aspect of life, God, I thank you that you are never condemning, that you are never harsh, that you always, in, in whatever struggles and trials that we face, that you are right there with us. Sometimes you do discipline us, but ultimately, like a, a good father to a child, it's to keep us close to you. We surrender, God, to you, and we thank you for giving us strength, for giving us meaning, and giving us purpose in this life because of your son, Jesus. It's in God's name, God, it's in your son's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.